a February 2023 Japan trip report on today's Milonomics Squared podcast. Hello, everyone. I'm Sam Simon. And I'm Robert Dwyer. And this is the Milonomics Squared podcast, no annual fee edition. If you're not subscribed to the full Milonomics Squared podcast, you're missing out on a deeper dive into topics like the following. Fresh back from Japan, looking forward to talking to you about it because I know you're planning to go there later this year, right, Sam? That's right. Yeah, I go in July and, you know, I've already gotten like three personal tips from you uh, just in our personal talk. And so, I, you know, you can spend all the time in the world planning something, but really there's no replacement for an on-the-ground, fresh data points like we're going to hear today. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, what, uh, you know, things that worked for me and didn't work for you might be healed by the time things come around for you. You know, I might be doing some crazy QR code stunt at the airport that I need to do that's not relevant anymore, or, uh, you know, testing requirements have come and gone, things have opened. Things have changed so much over the last three years as we've been tracking this. That is a great I, point. I think we yeah. talked last on on the, the free show about last time I was taking off uh, for Japan. This was, you know, 2020, uh, re- a replay of our 2020 trip. And it was great to get back. But I don't think we're alone in wanting to go to Japan or back to Japan. I mean, it seems to be, uh, you know, peak Japan season uh, for the travel, the points and miles community anyways. I hear a lot of people talking about Japan. (laughs) I think that's got to be pent up demand. But wouldn't you agree it's just a great place to go? I mean, that's got to be part of it, right? It is. It really is. And I feel like I discovered it too late there <laughs> before the pandemic shut things down. Uh, but the whole family loves Japan. We had such a great time. I mean, the kids, nice. they could go anywhere in the world. And this is where they wanted to go. And I swear, my, my son was saying, I want to move there. Uh, can we go back <laughs> in April? I mean, it's, it's really high time for uh, Japan and our family right now. That is awesome. Let's jump into the purpose. What was the purpose of this trip? You know, returning to Japan, were you trying new places? How does it compare to that trip? Three yeah, last trip we moved around a lot in Japan. You know, we went to just there both times, the same exact week, uh, six nights each way, you know, Saturday to Saturday. And we're coming from Boston. Uh, kids are 15 and 18 now. So some dynamics change there in terms of what hotels uh, would accept, you know, that configuration. Always a a hard time getting a room for three or four people in Japan, maybe Europe as well. But uh, now now we've got an 18-year-old, so that's different. Um, The kids were more interested in spending the whole time in Tokyo this time. I felt like we raced around the country a little bit too much Mm -hmm. last time. And, you know, six nights in in Tokyo was just right for us. I mean, at the end there, we'd done everything we wanted to do, and we were ready to come home for this trip. (laughs) <laughs> I think if the trip extends out to 10 or 14 days, uh, you have time to get around the country and see things. So I think it's more the direction you're going, right? Yeah, we're, we're there two weeks, and I think we hit three major cities and a couple small side trips, and you'll hear about it here, but it should be harrowing because you know, I've got two little kids, and I'm taking all over the country. I can't wait to hear about it. I mean, just comparing notes with you on some of the the common questions that come up. You know, should I get the JR Rail Pass? How do I catch the Narita Express? You know, just all these common questions that come up again and again. And it's like, yeah, I don't know how much to freak myself out panicking about these things ahead of time or just figure it out when I get there. You know, you can spend a lot of time researching this topic, but it's never clear what exactly is going to be the bullet you don't see coming that's really going to trip you up. And I'll get into a couple of pain points later, but I think you do the best you can and you get there and you'll figure it out. Everybody everybody figures it out, but sometimes the mistakes can be more painful than others. Uh, I really, I hope they're small mistakes. I know that they're coming, but you know, we always say there's like a major mistake coming where we like forgot to book something or we're flying out on the wrong day and 
I hope that that's not one of these pain points. Here, <laughs> well, it? my first panic moment came as I was looking to see whether I had all my tickets. I, you know, I'd booked this thing and canceled it two times. You know, back again for 2021 didn't happen. 2022 didn't happen. Here we are, 2023, and I'd I kind of lost interest and in, and hope in in making <laughs> making plans for when we were on the ground. And I had so many canceled record locators that you know, fishing through my email, I was like. You know, this the day before. I, I was like, I think I'm short two tickets here. No, on the return, this is not good. <laughs> and you think your oh. son is going to have to move to Japan? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. One way ticket to Japan, and you, you think, oh, you know, AA opens up space on JAL close in. What's the big deal? He just book a couple more tickets. Well, that is a trend that I am not seeing anymore, especially for Saturday departures, which I love so much. They just aren't opening things at the last minute the way they used to. So I was panicking for a second. So I want to pause on that. I, I know there's like TripIt and other things out there that help you manage off your record locators, but. For this trip, I had you know tickets booked with Asia Miles, tickets booked with Alaska Miles, tickets booked with American Miles, tickets booked with JAL head on. I, things were all over the place. I'm fishing through emails, my wife's emails. I couldn't find these last two tickets. So before I tell you where, where they were hiding, what do you do to manage record locators and just the trip logistics going into a trip? I don't do enough, I'm sure, but uh, I, I go with paper, you know, and wow, I write everything I need down. I take a picture of it with my phone so that I have it. A single sheet of paper with just everything that, you know, the hotel, the name, the addresses and phone numbers, analog. Well, we had a shared Google Doc between me and my wife, and we put the information in there, you know, the flight times and things like that, and then the hotels we were staying at. But details like record locators, like how how deep do you want to go in there and put those in? And then that's kind of where, you know, that that how much detail do you want to put in there? You can make it your life's work to put every little, you know, what's the ticket number? You know, mm. what were the taxes and fees on this thing, right? You know, things really go off the rails. Yeah, so I what happened was I, I talk a little bit about award availability trends here because I think it's probably the big thing that somebody says, oh, you went to Japan. I, I'd love to be able to get there. It's so expensive. It's so far. How could I do that? And, you know, you, you can use miles to get there. I think it has become more hard, more difficult than it was just three years ago. Especially for a family, but Robert, what I'm you, seeing, know, you need four oh, tickets. That makes it exponentially harder. Absolutely. And if you're picky about uh, departure times and not wanting to take connections and things like that, you know, oh, yeah. we get pretty, yeah. pretty <laughs> finicky here. You know, we want <laughs> the perfect us. flight at the perfect time and we want to be able to use miles for them. Um, what, what I've seen is that right at schedule opening, you'll see a couple seats released in each cabin. And so the way I booked this initially was a round trip ticket using, using Asia miles for uh, JAL business class flights. And so I had the opportunity to book that for two of our tickets. You know, that gets released out at 360 days as opposed to 330 with American. So I, I had distant insight and I had miles stranded with Asia miles. Things got worse with Asia miles. You have to pay a lot of in taxes and fees, like $300 per ticket now, whereas before it was pretty minimal. Uh, but that is a way to secure the first couple of seats. And so when I did that, knowing that I might have to cancel this, if I couldn't get seats three and four on each of those flights so using some other mechanisms, you know, hopefully award availability opening up later, partner award space, then I would be able to cancel those awards without having to incur two cancellation fees. So I booked it as a round trip, and that solves the mystery of why I was short two record locators on the return trip, because it was booked as a round trip. And it was actually stunningly simple, like, oh, I just need to put my passport information once for a round trip flight for two people for, you know, each of us. So that that that's where I got tripped up. It was actually easier than I thought it'd be. And I thought for sure I had some <laughs> some flights hiding out my wife's Alaska account or something like that. But that was the case. It was all, all there and, and all was good. We had uh, round trip tickets for four people booked. Now, let, listen, when that happened, you were like a day out, you're printing out boarding passes, you're that's super high pressure, right? That's, yeah. what, that's when I noticed it. 
<laughs> yeah, you know, you're thinking about like, do I have the right, um, you know, uh, travel adapters, right? What I, I forget even like, you know, do they, they drive on the left side of the road over there, but they use the same American plugs that we have. It's just all, I, that's always the thing that I forget, or you know, so you just it. I never know how exotic and complicated an international trip is compared yeah. to say a domestic trip until that that last 24 hours thing. Like, oh yeah, oh yeah, do I need my vaccination cards? I, I guess so. It's there's new stuff, right? There's new stuff plus the old stuff, and it's it's it's, it's stressful. It is. Robert, it is, you know, and when you know, I had that complexity of one ticket that was not in business class because you couldn't find anything. And so you've been trying for months, everything to get that fourth seat in business class. You got to talk us through what happened here. Did you get that seat? It's a really interesting one because it could be something that recurs for me. And, you know, that being get, getting that third seat, getting that fourth, getting that last seat, you know, on the return flight, everything worked out. I was able to book a couple more seats uh, with with partner miles, and I was all set in that direction. But on the way out, I only got to uh, three out of four seats, so I was seven-eighths of the way there. And what I ended up doing was booking with JAL miles that I had stranded over there that were transferred from Marriott some time ago uh, th- that I used to book a seat in premium economy. And so I figured if we couldn't get my my second son in business class with us, we'd at least put him at the front of the premium economy cabin. We'd be at the back of the business cabin. And so we'd be close enough that we could see him and check in with him as the as the flight went along. But my hope was to be able to upgrade that. And I, like I said, I booked with uh, JAL miles head on. I think it's like 35,000 miles or something like that when it's at the lowest level for premium economy, which isn't that bad of a deal. I, I think the taxes and fees on that are are, are consequential. They're, they're, they're pretty big, actually, like two or 300 bucks even for premium economy oh, wow. when okay. you book with JAL miles. Uh, but the quandary was, uh, am I better any better off uh, booking with JAL miles in terms of the ability to later upgrade that uh, close in if partner award availability doesn't open up? Mm. And indeed, no partner award availability ever opened up for that seat. Wow. Um, I called JAL about a week before the the flight was to take off, and you know the, the, things got so bad. Uh, you know when you book uh, partner flights, uh, you you need like kind of savor a level level availability to open up. But when you use JAL miles, you can usually just throw more JAL miles at it to be able to book into business class. But in this case, I, I saw the flights completely sold out for uh, booking with miles in business class. Even their miles. Even do, even their miles, and wow. you know, like it stops at like three or four hundred thousand or something like that. I mean, they were really saying, "Look, we don't want any more award <laughs> redemption on this flight because the flight was full. The business class cabin was full that day. I didn't see a single seat open at business class when we eventually took off. Huh. But my my last hope was at the airport. I mean, if you want to go down a rabbit hole, read JAL's website <laughs> in terms of the various <laughs> instruments and methods to upgrade. I mean, you could spend all day reading stuff there, and you still won't know what the deal is. So there's just specifically this business about upgrading at the airport and i was like okay uh, who am i going to talk to at the airport about this at the gate at the at the front desk have you ever done this no i've never done it but i i do remember us talking about it i mean you you turned over every single rock that there was to turn over to try to get these seats and i think this was part of why you booked it with jal miles right that there was a hope it was yeah yeah i, I really wanted to, to see if this was the case because um, I, I don't think it's possible to upgrade a flight if you book with partner miles. Like, a, say you booked um, Economy with AA miles, and then at the last minute you wanted to, at the gate, ask if you could use more AA miles or JAL miles to upgrade a partner award. I don't think that's possible, but if you book with JAL miles... Again, transferred probably from Marriott is the best way to do it. I doubt a lot of people have the JAL credit card. It's not very lucrative to spend on. Uh, but 
at the airport, I was successful in, in, in upgrading this. And it was a, a little bit of a, a crazy stunt. So I go to check in there. I love got this. there about three hours early. Uh, <laughs> and I, I, you know, everything's going swimmingly. Um, you know, I've got multiple record locators. JL is pretty nice. You can check in all at once with even multiple record locators. So it's kind mm. of a bundle. They know you're a family. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I say to the gate agent, there's, you know, taking our luggage. It's, you know, way up front, not at the, not at the gate, you know, out where you're, where you're checking luggage. I said, would it be possible to upgrade, you know, Junior's ticket here <laughs> to sit with the rest of us in business class? You know, it'd be because, you know, he'd, I he'd love like that to word. sit with yeah, us. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and she says, oh, um, let me see. And so she goes over and she checks with her supervisor. Comes back and says, uh, "No, that would not be possible because the tickets were booked with Asia Miles." And I said, "Oh, that uh, is true for our ticket, <laughs> but not for his ticket. He's on his own record locator booked with JAL Miles." And she goes back to the supervisor, and it starts to snowball. There's probably four people involved in the negotiation <laughs> at this point, and and it comes back. And I mean, there's there's laptops being opened on their side to research this. There's um, binders uh, being opened to re- research wow. how many paper forms came <laughs> out. And at the end, yes, it would be possible for thirty thousand more JAL Miles to upgrade him from uh, premium economy to to business. There's no first class on this flight. There's uh-huh. premium economy and business up the top. And I said, that's great. Let's do that. <laughs> it took about a solid half an hour and like three or four people working on it for a really long time. So a very manual process <laughs> and paper force. So you're but, not getting there late and doing this. No, yeah. she, and she specifically said that. She said, it's a good thing you're here early because we wouldn't be able to do it you know, close in. It's right. not like they just click a button, upgrade you and take the miles out. I didn't see the miles deducted from my JAL account until sometime later. Very manual. Uh, but, huh? but you know what, Robert? <laughs> very manual. You got a great data point there, too, because they initially told you no based on where you booked the ticket. That's right. I absolutely I agree that that is interesting. It's, uh, I think that is the case. It's They were they were doing the right thing. You, know, you can't upgrade it if you're booking with Partner Miles, and this is a benefit to booking with JAL Miles. I think it would take a lot of Marriott points transferred over there to, to justify this. But if that's what it takes to open up that last seat, I, I could see it being worth it. But you know what the scariest part of the whole thing was? She says... <laughs> I will, we can do this for you, but you have to tell me your JAL frequent flyer number. And she kind of like stares at me. <laughs> she bended the rules, Robert, because we read that webpage. You're supposed to present your card. You're supposed to present <laughs> card? the card. The postcard? <laughs> the actual physical, you know, JAL plastic card. I think that's as, what it's As said. if I have such a thing. Yeah. I did say that. I saw that. Yeah. Uh, but I was like, oh, oh. you got to be kidding. Because I thought ahead of time, you know, maybe I should include in here my, my JAL frequent flyer number. Yeah. I mean, it says you can, uh, it, these are my JAL miles for his ticket to, to upgrade it. And so, you know what I did? I went to, uh, I have it in a Google Doc somewhere probably. Um, that's probably hard to access and really hard to navigate. I can't quickly search through notes, but I should probably have a better way of saving these types of things. But I went to Chrome, the Chrome browser on uh, my iPhone, and it remembered the number there. And so I oh, proudly beautiful. showed it to her and she says, write it down on this piece of paper and we'll do the upgrade. <laughs> Worked out. He, everyone's a business class. Everyone's happy. I thought that was a real long shot, but that was one of key three key things that we were looking forward to working out in this trip. And I'm really pleased that that did work out. I love it, Robert. I can't wait to hear the other two. Talk us through the rest of this. <laughs> yeah. So um, j- real quick, um, the at Boston Logan there, they share the British Airways Lounge. Very nice. I think it's new-ish. Uh, they're, they're really revamping the whole international um, terminal at Logan. They're expanding it, and it's going to be even better than it currently is. I think Boston is a great airport for flying 
internationally. Uh, it's not as big as JFK, but it flies to some really far-flung destinations, you know, Tokyo being being a key one. So uh, th- that share with British Airways was really nice because the only people that were in there were people that were on this noon departing uh, JAL flight. Uh, there wasn't any British Airways action mm. or other flights going out of there. So it was very pretty much uh, very, very quiet. Yeah, mm. and, it was, and it was really good food and, and drinks. So that was a good start. Uh, flight was great. Um, what, what, what to say about that? It's a what two 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 configuration, uh, life flat beds, uh, great Japanese standard of service uh, on the on the flight. It's a fourteen hour flight and it leaves at noon. Mm. And I don't care how you cut it. That's a that's a that is a long haul flight. Yeah, that is very long. I think uh, right up there with some of the longest flights I've ever taken. And you know, you do everything you can think of doing, and then there's like five hours more of the flight, and you're like, wow. Right. Okay. Yeah. 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 And the timing is weird, right? You leave at noon, you're not really tired yet. So the uh, the return timing and, and sleeping was uh, quite a bit better. The flight is only 12 hours on the way back. Uh, it ended up being uh, even getting in an hour early, uh, much easier on the way back uh, flight-wise and, and, and departure time-wise. But hey... Um, <laughs> I, I was happy that if we're going to be on a plane for 14 hours, that we had beds. You know, all we yeah. had to do was endure. And uh, if I was sitting up that whole time, that would be, that'd be a question. You know, would I be willing to, is is Tokyo and Japan good enough to justify, you know, flying with two connections in economy? Ugh, I wouldn't go as often, that's for sure. Wow. Yeah. I mean, uh, I know there are people that can, though. And I think that it's important to mention that if the majority of the plane you were on was in economy. If if it's between never going and going in economy, what would you say there? Uh, yeah, not not I, I would I would I would do it like at once, but maybe it would be you know once every five right. ten years right. as opposed to right. you know I'd, I'd be up for doing this multiple times a year. But my wife's <laughs> like, more, more important. With, yeah, exactly. More important with, with less frequent trips, but uh, yeah, no, it was uh, it, the direct flight on top of all of that is just just fantastic. I just appreciate it so much. Yeah, but when you landed, it was not smooth, right? I mean, so there's that. Even no, it doesn't matter what cabin you're in. The next part of this trip is for everyone. That's absolutely true. And Narita is rough right now. I hope mm. it gets better. Um, so the first bit of confusion is there's this uh, good port, uh, good post from Travel Sort here on what you can do with a pre-arrival code from this Visit Japan website. They're trying to go from paper-based forms to QR codes where you enter all this information. Uh, you know, you ever thought these, you know, yeah. ar- arrival forms, you know, and it's all this like chicken scratch on there and it's, it's unclear what they're doing with it. Thing, yeah, and you're trying to get it done <laughs> yes. in 10 seconds and yeah. Borrow exactly, pen. exactly. So now it's currently more confusing than ever because you still have the paper forms. It's unclear whether filling out the forms ahead of time does you any good. Uh, there's no advantage to flying business class in terms of immigration and customs there. And the kids are asking, you know, what's the difference between immigration and customs? And I'm like, I don't know. There's two long lines you have to stand in, <laughs> basically, here, right? And and so the first step was immigration. That took an hour, even with the QR wow. codes. That's Next brutal. step was customs, and that took an hour, too. And I think it was just a big crush of a lot of flights coming in with yeah. a lot of people. And the QR codes are doing nothing to speed things along. Uh, you know, there's this uh, semi-automatic, uh, you know, these terminals. It's like a self-checkout situation at a grocery store where you need to put your passport in and you stick your thing. You'd be better with just having agents there taking paper because right now you've got a line over here for paper, a line over here for QR codes, people helping with the QR codes. It's not working. It's really slow. So it took us a solid hour <sighs> to get through immigration, a solid hour to get through customs, an hour to figure out the Narita Express train tickets, and then an hour to take the Narita Express to the hotel. Oh. It took us four hours and 20 minutes to get from the airport to our hotel, and I don't like that. And your hotel is right next to the train station, so had it not been, you'd have even more overland, right? Yeah, and you're really tired at that point. Right? Oh, you're yeah. trying to figure stuff yeah. out, and you're really tired. That's I mean, 18 hours. I That's 24 hours after you left your house in Boston. 
Exactly. I get to the hotel. They're trying to talk to me about upgrade options and they're citing it in Japanese yen. And I'm like, uh, I, I'm sorry. I don't mean to be that guy, but I, I'm really tired. Could you give me that in US dollars? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I, I think it's important to note we had some recent data points from patrons that Haneda is just as bad right now for immigration and customs. So it, it doesn't seem like it's just Narita. Yeah. 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 But I will say, I think that was the, the high point of uh, stress and uh, toughness on the trip. It was really that one pinch point. That's good. Maybe a little rough getting back too. But yeah, that Narita Express, I think in hindsight, I even, the reason that we wanted to do the train is my son likes trains and we were right next to the Tokyo station. Right. So it yeah. couldn't have been an easier shot. But just figuring out how to get those train tickets in the beginning was way more stressful than I, I guess I'd be better at it next time. But there's the you know, Suica cards and the IC cards and it doesn't take credit cards and nothing takes credit cards and everything takes credit. And it's just a mess. And, you know, I should have just gotten in the manual line that's kind of hidden around the corner there where you have a human help you. No matter how long that line is, uh, I would have been better off for just getting on with it. But, you know, you got to catch the next train that's coming. You got to schedule it. You got to find it. It, it. You know, I. It sounds crazy to jump a, a taxi or some other solution from Narita, but I, I don't care what anyone says. The first time taking the Narita Express is, is is not easy. I'm sure there's somebody listening right now. It's like, what are you talking about? It was no problem. But when, when yeah. crowds develop, the line to discover that there's a problem is gets problematic. I saw two or three people in front of me doing the same stupid thing I was trying to put a credit card into the ticket machine, and it doesn't seem to take you know credit cards or it doesn't take American credit cards that are chip and signature or whatever. Maybe the chip and pin cards work or something something like that. Uh, first time, get in the manual line. Have somebody help you. Yeah. yeah, I think you'd be a lot better off. That's that Barclays shutdown coming back to haunt you, Robert. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> what, what, do you have a credit card that's chip and pin? I think Barclays cards are all chip and pin because they're they're British. You know? Do you know what the pin is? I have no clue what the pin is. No, I have to. Sure. <laughs> exactly. Sure. I, I don't know what I would do in that situation. And I'm sure someone listening is like, what I do is I make sure when I come home, I have cash and I just keep yen and for, for that when I come back. That's what my son was saying. Yeah. He's like, it, it's, a, it's a cashless uh, system. But I'm like, it's, what kind of crazy cashless system is this that you need to turn the cash into a Suica card? <laughs> it's not really a cashless system at all. <laughs> oh, that, that, that really was a brutal entry point. But onward and upward, everything was great after that. That's great. I, we know where you stayed. If, uh, if, you've heard, if you've heard our paid shows, you know where you stayed. But most people on this... Uh, on the no annual fee feed, don't know, Robert. So step us through your your lodging here in Tokyo. Well, the Park Hyatt was where we stayed last time. And I think the Hyatt chain is strong there. Um, very good. It's, but things are, things are not so good there for families, I would say. Pretty challenging trying to find a room that takes three or four people. We pulled it off last time when our kids were younger. Now that they're older, Park Hyatt wasn't such a good fit for us. Went back and forth with them a few times, ultimately couldn't come to terms and said, you know, catch you later. And I think they were happy to see me go, yeah. even with two rooms booked and a suite upgraded award applied because they could sell that room to somebody else a lot more. Rates are up, up, up at hotels, and it can make for a good opportunity for points redemptions. But I saw the Four Seasons, where I ended up staying at right next to the train station, go from about $500 to $1,000 for our trip. Wow. And I checked it for April, just kind of for kicks to see what it would be going for in April. It's up to $1,500 a night. There's, you know, you said before, it's very hard to switch, you know, uh, like a Hyatt point. It costs, you know, what's the top of the Hyatt chart? They can't expand it to cap capture some of these prices. But if you're a hotel and all you have to do is increase the cash price and you're 80% sold out, just keep increasing it. And that's yeah. what I'm seeing. I really wish I would have had the the, the fortitude to book this again, the hotels earlier on when the exchange rate was really low, still is pretty low, uh, but when when hotel rates were low when Japan was shut down because they weren't getting any tourist activity, yeah. that has totally changed. It's going to come roaring back. It already has come roaring back. It's going to be even worse, I think, the spring and summer, but I wish I would have booked it before. But yeah, I ended up staying at the, the Four Seasons Marinucci right next to the uh, Tokyo Station, and that ended up being a fabulous day. Awesome, Robert. 
Got the train view and everything? No, that's question number two. Did I get the train view? I talked to them ahead of time. This hotel, not only is it close to the train station, but in their marketing, it has these incredible views of the Tokyo station and the the line of the Shinkansen going out out of town. You can find like, you know, four or five trains running at a time in, in either direction. It's just, just fantastic for my son, who's a, uh, they call him a rail fan. People who like to look at trains. He creates YouTube documentaries about trains. The purpose of this staying at this hotel was I like the Four Seasons. He likes trains. It was a match made in heaven. And it absolutely <laughs> worked out. I emailed them ahead of time or talked to them on the phone and then emailed them. And I said, if you can't give me a room with trains, then uh, let me know so I can stay somewhere else. And they totally accommodated that. It's a funny it's a funny hotel. You got two kinds of uh, TripAdvisor reviews there. One is five stars. I loved it. Thanks for the train view. The other is one star. <laughs> I couldn't sleep because of the trains. <laughs> it's so funny. Oh, man, Robert, that's hilarious. I do want to just take a moment and like, just encapsulate the idea of family hotel rooms in uh, in Tokyo here and what you did. You know, you've, you've got the ability to book with points at certain hotels, but those rooms are not allowing for people with the ages of your party. And so then you're confronted with two rooms on points and maybe they're not even connecting. I mean, we could go down a whole rabbit hole and we might later about that. But, but then there are many hotels that cater to families. And this is one situation where would you have like almost two rooms worth of space for booking one room at the Four Seasons? Just about. It was about 700 square feet. And I think typical would be about 500, but it really just needs to be big enough to fit us. Yeah. If there's a if there's a living room with a grand piano in it, that really doesn't do us any good. And that's literally what I was looking at at the Park Hyatt, it's right? It's dead there's, space. It's crazy. Yeah. It is. Right? Yeah. I need bedding. I need bedding and, and, a, and a, a functional, smartly laid out room yeah. just enough to, to fit us. And uh, the Four Seasons was great in that regard. A little bit of a negotiation there because if you book through third-party travel agencies, they say they can only take three, whereas if you book head-on, they'll take four. I called them, and they confirmed I could take four, and then I booked through, actually booked through City Prestige, uh, fourth night free. Ooh, nice. So I was able to get uh, a, a Four Seasons fourth night free rate. Uh, and then stack on top of that a City Prestige fourth night free to bring the price down out of the stratosphere to about $1,000 a night. And yes, that is a huge splurge, no doubt about it. Um, but if I was looking at the Park Hyatt, I would have been at 25000 a night. I needed two rooms, applied a sweet, sweet upgrade award, so I had depleted some resource there as well. I mean, even 50,000 high points, if I kind of value those at 1.5 cents a piece, that's up to $750 for the night. Not too far off at yeah. the Four Seasons. Yeah. You know, sure, you have to pay for breakfast or whatever, but it ended up being a really nice stay. And I would say kind of across the board, I just felt more relaxation and dignity. I mean, when you don't give free breakfast away to the whole hotel, you've got like three or four people downstairs having breakfast yeah. with you. And it's just very relaxing and dignified. I love that, you know. And and there are there are tons of hotels that don't have loyalty programs, or at least they have loyalty programs, maybe, but they don't have U.S. credit cards tied to them. And in a country as big and as dense as Japan, there's always an option for a paid hotel. So I think it's worth looking at uh, and and just seeing, you know, you can pay with ultimate rewards. You can pay with membership rewards. You have a lot of options. You have, uh, you know, the ability to use cash. Cash works everywhere, right? We say it all the time, Robert. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Now think about this. I could have said that um, maybe it's about 90,000 membership rewards a night. 
you know, cash them out through Schwab to get to a thousand a night. And what's ninety thousand membership rewards versus fifty thousand high points? You're starting to get close. And then that, that's what yes, <laughs> it's almost like you're transferring membership reward to high. <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. So yes. hey, they treated us like you know, just really personally. There's only fifty seven rooms in this hotel. Fantastic location. Oh, I love that. Uh, just yeah. super close to the yeah. Tokyo Station, which isn't just a great place to watch trains, but to actually take trains to for getting around. And the the mall that's underneath there, the shopping and the restaurants that are in it are, are very good and very useful too. We spent a lot of time in and around that train station. Absolutely love that area. How many days you stay at the Four Seasons? Well, four nights, right? I mean, all the stuff in this game is so bound by what restrictions you have on four nights or, you know, buy one, get one free and things like that. So I had six nights total that I needed lodging for. And so I booked that Four Seasons for four nights and I therefore needed a place for two nights. And I'd been kicking the tires on the Conrad Tokyo. Uh, in multiple ways. I initially booked it as a third night free rate through Amex Fine Hotels and Resorts. And it was a really low rate. I had a book for uh, the first half of my stay, but the way things shook out, I ended up needing it for the second half of my stay. Uh. And when it goes from three nights to two nights, I don't get the third night free anymore. And again, the rates are going up and the rates were going up, not just uh, kind of month by month, but for the second half of the trip, because uh, that's the Emperor's holiday falls on Thursday. This is going to be Thursday, Friday, Saturday stay. So it was like twice as much. Uh, and so then it became a good use for Hilton free night certificates, you know, uh-huh. to be on the order yeah. of two or $300 to on the order of uh, $600 a night. And so I was totally pleased using those certificates, especially since they were uh, expiring. Yeah, but you still couldn't fit four in a room, right? No, I couldn't. And I was fine with that. You know, that's sure. um, yeah. if it's, if it's going to be tight. And maybe, you know, after four nights of sharing space with the family there, maybe everybody would like a little space to stretch out. <laughs> and that, that indeed worked out. I like that. Yeah, it's a little balance and ending with that too. So you know, when you, when you start a trip, you're just tired sometimes. You just want to sleep anyway. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good point. And so, you know, we've been talking on the page show about Hilton's famous connecting room campaign. <laughs> I mean, it's everywhere. It's like their, their brand standard. It's the thing that they want to be known for. Connecting rooms. It's so easy. Book connecting rooms with us. We're not going to put your kids not even uh, across the hallway. They're going to be right there with you. Is that a good thing? That's a good thing. Right? Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. I have little kids. I need connecting rooms too, but. You do, right? Yeah. You're like, hey, just uh, just don't order too much room service. I'll see you in the morning. Good night, <laughs> right? It just doesn't work. I, I guess that's a big reveal here. This is the second of your three reveals, Robert, where they're connecting rooms. There were. Wow. There were connecting rooms. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, it took some tire kicking, right? So the first time when I had it booked as an Amex Fine Hotels and Resorts stay, I emailed the hotel and, well, I first inquired about something else we've been talking about with Hilton, and that is the ability to upgrade a paid stay or an award stay, rather, with cash on top of it to ensure a better quality room when you're using free night certificates or points. Mm-hmm. We well, do a whole, <laughs> we did a whole show on it. Yeah, I mean, it's... <laughs> yeah, I forget if that was on the paid or the free, but that is something that works really well at certain properties and not so well at other properties. And Terrible in the whole all... country of Japan. I mean, let's just call it. <laughs> we have right? two data points. <laughs> yes. Yes, we do. So, yeah, they wanted more for the upgrade than the price of the room in my case. And I think you had a similar experience in another hotel in uh, uh, Hilton in, in Japan. The Hiroshima, yeah, the Hilton in Hiroshima, yeah. They wanted yeah. almost as much as the the full price of the room for the upgrade, so much so that they actually emailed me later and went like, you know, you should just probably like book this with points. And I went, okay, I'll do that. <laughs> Well, in my case, they wanted about $5,000 a night for the two-bedroom suite. So I was like, I might be getting my currency exchange off here. I must be getting this wrong. You do realize you're asking me for $25,000. You know, it's just for, Wow. For one, for just for one well, two room? Rooms. Two rooms. Well, no, that, that was when I was trying to do one room. So no, I think it was three nights, um, three nights, one room. It would have been $15,000 with their recording. 
I mean, imagine, you know, if you showed up and you didn't really know. Yeah, like. I think Arnie Hilton points you'd get on the Aspire. I mean, it's a great guy. I should do it, right? Robert. <laughs> I mean, how was how was the Conrad? I mean, it's it's popped up on my radar because I've got a lot of these certificates as well. But I don't think I'm going to be able to go with it because of wanting to all be in one big room. But how was it as just a hotel? It's it's a nice hotel. Um, you know, when I switched from booking it as fine hotels and resorts to booking it with uh, free night certificates booked from two different accounts, which is a little bit of a yeah, stunt in it. itself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I emailed the hotel again and I, I said, hey, it's me again. Uh, I've booked this in a different way. It's now two nights instead of three. It's not booked with fine hotels and resorts. It's now booked as free night certificates. I was hoping you could uh, make these connecting. You know, I, it's open ended questions, right? What would you recommend I do to guarantee that these are connecting? Like, not, not uh, you know, can you guarantee these are connecting? That's an easy no for them. That gives them an easy out. Yeah. And I use that because thing, too. I said, you know, come to my wife. It's really important to have the kids close to us when we travel. And then they, they granted it. And, and indeed, when we got there, at check-in, they finally asked it once again, you know, do you want connecting rooms or is it okay if they're across the hall from each other? I was like, are you kidding me? I want them to be connecting. How many times do I have to say connecting? I don't, I don't want an upgrade. I don't want to just make sure they're connecting. And they were. And they, they, they connect. Uh, very, I have a picture of it. It looks like a mirror. There's a, there's a door in there it's uh it's, they're connecting it's really nice <laughs> but so one king uh city view with one twin city view which are the two rooms that you can book here with free night certificates or with points and uh, it's a big hotel though uh 290 rooms so about six times as big of a hotel as the previous one wow yeah, so we come over here from the prior hotel where it was just kind of like us and the the hotel staff, it seemed. And we enter, you know, you go up uh, 30 floors or something like that to the, the lobby where there's four restaurants and like six people helping people check in. It felt like a Vegas uh, hotel mm. almost. I mean, mm-hmm. really good service across the board, but just the scale was almost jarring coming from that, you know, r- really quiet experience that we were having at the Four Seasons. But but really nice and some good amenities, you know, um, uh, diamonds there. You check in on the executive uh, level upstairs. The uh, executive lounge is open for uh, breakfast in addition to the breakfast downstairs for diamonds, in addition to tea in the afternoon, and in addition to cocktails in the evening. You know, that's that's what Hilton does uh, internationally, and they do, it, do it, they do it really well, right? I mean, that's a, a lot of value stacked on top of your base reservation, even if you don't get an upgrade, which I didn't. Uh, you know, you, the upgrade terms are if there's one level up, which I think would be a Bayview room instead of a City View. Not uh, a huge I deal mean, to me. Yeah. Uh, it, it was, you know, there's a lot of value on that breakfast. That breakfast is uh, 5,000 yen and that's 50 bucks-ish. Uh, the, the exchange rate, actually. I'm going to pause on that. Everything seemed cheap to me because of that exchange rate, except for astronomical hotels. I mean, if you get ramen for 1,000 a, a yen, that's like seven dollars and fifty cents right now, and right. everything is kind of twenty five percent off right now. I mean, it was it was better before, but I across the board everything seemed cheap to me. Any any goods that I would buy, especially Japanese goods, you know, like retail items, and no tax on those goods that you buy, right? Uh, no, well, actually, there's a I'm wearing the sweatshirt right now. I went to this crazy <laughs> store, Bape. Uh, so it's kind of a, a streetwear thing, totally out of character for me, completely age inappropriate, but. Uh, <laughs> It was great. I mean, you go there and they've got two prices posted. One is 10% more than the other. And if you have your passport with, they'll charge you the lower rate that doesn't have tax. 
So on items over maybe 50 bucks, 75 bucks or something like that, you can find retailers that give you that discount. And the item is cheaper to begin with in Japan versus here because it's a Japanese brand. Uh, you know, it ended up being about half as much, all, all things considered for certain items like that. But just everything, you know, like food. And if didn't feel like they'd experienced the same level of inflation that we've experienced on some things here just yet. So overall, a nice change from when we were there before. I mean, you know, if a bowl of ramen cost a thousand yen before, it still costs a thousand yen now, and uh, you're getting about 25% off. So th that's nice. It took the edge off some things. Jumping right back to the hotel here. You're saying that that you didn't have to pay for breakfast as a diamond, right? I mean, no, thank you for bringing this yeah. back, back in light. <laughs> and absolutely right. I mean, you wonder at some of these properties, whether these numbers are just thrown out there to make you feel good about your status and the, the you know the value that you're getting for free for your status for your you know credit card whatever but the the conrad prices for incidentals you know the room room service uh, the breakfast the restaurant prices they're totally on par with the four seasons in terms of those things you know how much breakfast costs and such and the, the breakfast is very good at the conrad i mean as a diamond you can go downstairs and have breakfast it's a little crowded, but it's a very full breakfast. You know, you can get a, a, a hot a la carte item plus a very generous buffet with all kinds of stuff on it and very good and good service. Uh, it's it, There's a lot of value there. Mm -hmm. And I, a lot of people really like it. A lot of people like it better than the Park Hyatt. Um, I, I'd say I'd probably take the Park Hyatt a little bit over it, but I, I, I've heard they've diminished some things too since COVID. They don't have a evening cocktail hour and things like that. So I think this is, could be a market where the Conrad is as good as the Park Hyatt. And I think that's, that's probably rare. That's probably the exception that, that the Conrad is as good as the Park Hyatt. So I think it's a good option. Yeah. And I mean, if you've got certificates that expire versus points that don't, I think you need to make that decision first to use those expiring instruments. Uh, so even if all things were not equal, I think that that would tip the scale for someone that had a bunch of certificates and without a clear path forward here, the year is flying by, Robert. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Getting those off and using those effectively was was wonderful. And I, that's really the quandary for me, right? You know, I clearly can hear I like the Four Seasons a little bit better. Did I like it, you know, so much better that it can overcome the, you know, quote, free aspect of 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 the Hilton, of the, of the Conrad, right? It's just the, the Four Seasons would have to be so astronomically better uh, and I'd have to want it so much more that it would make sense to do it over us. And that's why, you know, we tend to stay in these loyalty traps, right? Because there's no way to book that Four Seasons with a free night certificate of sorts. And so it's, you, you're, you're saying, okay, I'm going to ignore this. I've got this, these high points, I've got these, these Hilton certificates that are going to expire and I'm going to lay out cash completely on top of all that money, all, all that value that I have there. It's, it's a lot to overcome. So it's something I'm just messing around in, with in my head. You know, what, what is the right occasion to splurge and do something uh, versus going with something that's a really good option, you know, the Conrad, the Park Hyatt. And in this case, it was the right thing for me to do. Um, you know, the scarce thing for me is the number of nights I'm going to be with my family in Japan this year. Absolutely, <laughs> <was> only, yeah. <laughs> and so I really wanted to stay at the Four Seasons. It was a good splurge. I wanted to get some value out of my free night certificates. The Conrad was a good hotel. It's a win all around. You know, the, the idea that there has to be a win and lose situation, that's not necessarily true. And I think yeah. that you know, your trip was short enough that, look, you know, you're not trying to stay there for two months at the Four Seasons, oh, right? Like, I mean... Total, totally agree. Totally agree. If I was going there 
once a quarter because I had family there and really wanted to see them. I wouldn't be going to the Four Seasons all yeah. the time. I'd be looking to, you know, lower end Hyatts and stuff like that. I'd just be looking for lodging. Yeah. Right. But this was an experience and I, and I wanted every night to be special. So that's a great, great call out there. Everyone's situation, number of nights is so different. Try to stay two nights at the Four Seasons, man, you're going to go broke. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's the, kind of the overview of the trip here, Robert. And I'm asking for myself, but also asking for, you know, a bunch of interested people listening to this show. What'd you do? You know, what, what, was, what was on your agenda during those six days? We know we had a, a paid show with Raymond on uh, talking about his oh, experience. I love with that Tokyo. show. Yes, he's been there a ton, right? And we got a little bit into the activities, but you could see really quickly how what one person's activities are might not have anything to do with someone else's. I mean, real common question I get upon returning here is, uh, you know, what are the must dos in Tokyo? I'm like, I don't know. What are the must must dos in New York? Right? If I could tell you to go see Hamilton and you don't like musicals, right? That's not a good fit. Yeah. You know, so it, it's total. It's just such a great and big city. You can do anything you want there, practically, and you've got to find those interests. And we went deep in, in, into specific interests. I mean, my son wanted to see some uh, tuner car places. We went to go see those. Uh, my other son wanted to do a ramen cooking class and get a, a chef's uh, vegetable cleaver. Hmm. We did that. You know, it's yeah. like just really specific stuff. And I, and I think finding a guide that can help you. And if they, if they just say, if, if you go to a post or a person and they say, these are the five things you need to do when you're in Tokyo, I, I would run from that, yeah. right? Be, <laughs> right? You want to find someone who says, well, what are you interested right. in? Or you know, what's your party? What, more... what are the ages and interests exactly. of your party, right? We're like, we're going to take you on some really awesome high intensity stuff. And you're like, well, my, my mother-in-law's <laughs> with us. We're going to exactly. slow down, please, you know? Like, yeah. So that's, that's not, any... Any planning we did was really rewarded. Uh, my wife uh, planned a lot of the, uh, all, you know, all of the on the ground stuff. She made some friends and connected with locals and got some really good recommendation. It worked out fabulously. But you know, my itinerary isn't anybody else's itinerary, so I would just say that the the research is rewarded. You know, one one thing that I think is really good is this uh, Team Labs planet planets thing. A t- Team Labs You've is done a thing that, before, that does. Right? Yeah, I did last time. It looked like it had been updated since then, and I was thinking that it was mostly for kids it's like an immersive art experience i mean you're walking through water there's stuff projected all over the place it's like created for instagram but it actually is a really cool experience i was watching uh just last night actually uh this new series on apple tv uh the reluctant traveler Mm. with uh eugene levy and he went to a thing that my wife looked at that was a team labs uh immersive dining experience (laughs) so here in this place it's all lighting up and that's let's give him food too (laughs) he went and did that i thought it would be really challenging it was really expensive holy cow i think it was like 400 bucks a person or something like that when we looked Mm. but uh, they're doing some really special things and maybe just a call out for that show i think if you're thinking about going to tokyo it would be a good thing to watch because I found it to be a very realistic uh, kind of survey of what people typically do there the first time. And you get to see pretty pictures of Tokyo, you know, Shibuya Crossing and uh, Asakusa, all kinds of things, just really similar to what we did. A couple of those places, like we were there two days ago. So it's a really cool uh, show to watch on Apple TV, The Reluctant Traveler. I need to check that out. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the food. Uh, you know, people say that <laughs> Japan is a, should be a survey of food in different regions. And uh, yeah, last time I, I, we were joking as a family that we came back uh, hungry, <laughs> confused, and cold, right? A little bit about the weather, too. I mean, February's uh, high is around 50 degrees Fahrenheit almost the entire time, plus or minus 5 degrees. A little bit of rain, uh, so it's not warm. It's not spring yet. 
Um, uh, plum blossoms are coming in, but not cherry blossoms yet. On a nice sunny day, it feels good. On a windy, cold day, you know, even with that small temperature difference, the wind and sun or not can make a big difference. Mm-hmm. So a little bit chilly. Uh, but we did better on the food this time. Uh, last time we did a lot of ramen and sushi. And we branched out a little bit this time. Uh, you were, I think you recommended um, what was what was what was the dish you recommended? The hot pot. Yeah. Uh, what do they call that? A shabu shabu or sukiyaki? Shabu shabu. Yeah. So sukiyaki, the place we went to, was called that. And I, I've read a Wikipedia article on the difference between those two things several times. Uh, the, the unique thing about this is a really cool place in Yokohama that was like 100 years old. Uh, was that everything that you, all the meat and such that you would get, you would dip in uh, raw scrambled egg mm. <laughs> which they're like are you okay with the scrambled with the raw egg and i'm like oh, okay and but it was really good it was really delicious really and so fun it's such a great great spot in, in uh, yokohama we went down there for a strawberry festival and had lunch there wow uh, were there then, strawberries uh, um yeah they're crazy about strawberries i, I want to try like, japanese what? strawberries so bad i can't believe you <laughs> did you get to uh, yeah yeah uh, it was kind of um it's kind of a kind of like a state fair kind of environment. I, I don't like gatherings. We've I, that, said we had long like ago of... <laughs> we don't like state fairs. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was it was next to this red brick um, uh, kind of like year round thing where they that's where they put the Christmas market. Mm. There's like a permanent f- structure, and then out front they do a seasonal festival that happened to be strawberry. So it was like these made for Instagram concoctions of you know strawberry parfaits or. Cherry, uh, okay. you know, candy covered yeah. strawberries it it that wasn't uh, great and it actually torpedoed we were going to do some plum blossom festival even further away and <laughs> yeah, like, i'm <laughs> festival the, out. The family <laughs> exactly we did one festival out of three we're done with festivals but um yeah the, the strawberries are a big thing over there and you see those in the department stores they practically sell them like their jewelry or something I like mean, that it's a it's a real uh, special specialty item yes i can't wait to eat them oh but i think you're a big fan of uh, uh tekansu uh, uh, uh fried or cutlet, right? I am. I love it. I love curry. I love I love everything Japanese. I really do, Robert. And you know, I live in Southern California, so I'm not saying we have the same things. I'm just saying that we can at least experience a version of these things here. The the place we went to, I think it was in the top of a department store. I didn't realize that department stores there are incredible. Incredible. <laughs> I mean the Ginza Six, the the Matsukusha, I don't remember what it's called. There's like 12 stories tall, and I would never think to go in a department store, but in the basement, they've got groceries. Mm. Up on top, they've got restaurants, and the restaurants are actually pretty fantastic. And that's what we had the Tonkatsu. It was like so, so good. Yeah. I mean, I just could not believe how, how lightly, beautifully, incredibly, deliciously fried this piece of pork was. And, it was just and that's incredible. all they serve? That's it, right? That's, that's their all thing. they serve. Yeah. You, there's yeah. a pig outside, and the, the, the level of special specialization that you can get in, in a, a city like New York City, Tokyo, or even your area, where you have that density of population and the thirst in that population to try interesting new spins on things yeah. is off the charts. We were talking about um, uh, fluffy pancakes, you know, souffle pancakes yeah. <laughs> happy pancake uh, that makes these incredible pancakes i've never seen a restaurant with worse advertising and marketing uh, get more traffic i couldn't find this place it's on i'm on google maps i'm on top of the restaurant and there's some other americans nearby there and like yeah you found the right place but there's a long wait mm. <laughs> like oh it's in here mm. so you take an elevator up six stories you plop out into a lobby that's big enough for three people and there's like 18 people standing in there and those are, so yeah. they give you a number, you come back later. But they were pretty incredible. Did they have they come and gone out in popularity out there? The the fluffy uh, souffle pancakes. I mean, they've they've been out here. Yeah, you know, I just it's novel because it doesn't exist where you live. And I think that that's valuable to like the broader discussion, right? I don't want to make it sound like oh well, if you live somewhere where all these things exist. No, I think it's important to remember that it's a new experience for a lot of people, and 
it's it's maybe you can take it back to where you live and find some of this stuff where you live too if you branch out a little bit off the beaten path in Boston maybe I think you could find some stuff what do you think well, that's true I was actually looking for some things yes today and some searches came up and showed some things but what you get pretty quickly is you lose that that specialization right you know I'd say yes. yeah so many of the Japanese restaurants here are sushi that's it you know right and then you branch out a little bit from there and oh look it has uh, this dish but oh they have Thai food too it's like what yeah, huh? that's, <laughs> you gotta, gotta walk away out. on that point yeah, yeah. exactly exactly yeah. so no it, incredible food there uh, as deep as you want to go into it we had some challenging dishes of course uh we did one kind of dinner and a show kind of thing that had a lot of things that i just didn't like and i haven't gotten over the hump on that on the airplane even the western menu the first course of it isn't stuff that i uh, tend to touch and enjoy but like i said this time we did not come back hungry <laughs> if it gained some weight then that's not a great thing but uh we did have a really good time eating our way around tokyo this time oh i love it robert did you guys happen to hit like a little like uh street food style uh, Tokyo restaurant at all where they do, you know, little quick small bites and things like that? Not really. Would that be kind of like a a street uh, food kind of vibe or where would you see one of those? I see them. I mean, there's a couple here that we really like and, you know, the the mix of like what they serve is really eclectic and they'll just, you know, they'll do like a risotto or they'll do like a chicken wing or they'll do just random stuff and everything you eat, you're like, I don't know what that was, but it was delicious, you know, and you order 10 different dishes and you share them with the whole group and... That's something that I'm looking for, but I don't have a lot of time in Tokyo, you know, and so I, I need to decide what is my thing, and I don't know what it's going to be. You'll, you'll do great. I, you're more adventurous on this stuff, and I think you're, you're absolutely going to love it. Ah, see, that, that's the problem. I'm not there very much in Tokyo, and if I love it, I'm going to be like, oh, this, I, I blew it. I missed it, you know? I, no, I, I think come the rest back. of the country is going to be good, too. I can come back. I can always come back. <laughs> Four times a year. Four times a year. Be broke on hotels. That's why they call it the Four Seasons, right, Robert? You got to stay once every season. (laughs) Just uh, have direct deposit go straight over there. Oh, man. Imagine. (laughs) Wow. So uh, beyond all that, you're a big Disney guy, Robert. There's at least two Disney opportunities that I know of in Japan. Did you go to do anything Disney related? Well, we did it last time we were there. And we stayed right in the park, uh, the Hotel Miracosta there, probably even more expensive than the Four Seasons. Very competitive to get in there. Mm. We didn't uh, have Disney on the agenda at all. Um, But uh, towards the end of the week, we had one open night and they have a pass that you can get for about $40 per person. Mm. Gets you into Disney Sea, the most unique and, you know, Different. Uh, arguably beautiful uh-huh. <laughs> park there um, for five hours, four hours, uh, five to nine p.m. And I was like, "Wow, forty bucks!" You know, we've done some activities on this thing that forty bucks looks like nothing. So uh, let's let's shoot over there. I t- took my younger son, who's a bigger Disney fan, and we're going to shoot over there, hit a couple rides, and check the park out. And we got there, and it was the crowdedest Disney park I've ever seen. Oh, wow. I've seen some crowded Disney parks. I mean, it was every ride had a minimum of a two hour wait, oh. any ride of any importance. I mean, oh. there's like maybe eight you know, kind of headliner attractions. They're not even that headliner, actually. There's like a, you know, they have a clone of the uh, Indiana Jones ride from Disneyland. Okay. You know, the line for that was 180 minutes wrapped oh. around the entire park. Is there any way to skip uh, the, these lines? No. Nothing? No. <laughs> that hour of day. Well, they have a buy, uh, kind of the a ma- a mapping of the individual lightning lane. Mm-hmm. So for about 2,000 yen, you could buy your way out of line. But they were all completely sold out by 5 p.m. Not a single one of them could you buy anything. Yeah. And when you've got a three-hour wait there, it, no, nobody's cutting any line. They're not selling anything, right? So they, they end up making matters worse. Uh, if the lines were really long for a certain attraction, they would close down the queue before 
the park even closed, which is something you never see in the United States. You, you can get in a line one minute before park park closes and, and you, you get ride. to go on that ride. Yeah. And a lot of times the, they'll post a wait time that's nowhere near as as short as it actually is. I'll say two hours, it's probably 20 minutes. Oh, that was you, Rise of the Resistance out here in Disneyland. It said Absolutely. 50 minutes, you walked right on. Absolutely. Mm. And same thing in Florida too. I mean, we'll go to, we'll, we'll close down parks more as much as we'll open up parks there. And that's a really effective way to get a second bite of the apple of avoiding lines there. But there was none of this to be had there. So we were there for three hours out of the four and we had a great time walking around the park, maybe got a snack or just observed the park. But we, the only ride we went on was like a little boat ride that went around there. And that, that that was it. Wow. We didn't have it. I mean, why do I want to stand in line for three hours to, to see Soren with a slightly different cue? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just, these aren't <laughs> brand new, highly differentiated attractions compared to other Disney parks. So I, I'm saying pass right now on Disney City. Yep. I, I think even if you got there early in the morning, I don't know if, the, if you'd have that great a time. They just have a tolerance for lines over there that just doesn't fly over here. Not with me anyway. Uh, not for me either. Now, let me just dig into that for a minute. Before you got there, was there any way for you to know that there there were going to be these massive lines, or did you did you know if there is a way? Did you know before you went and that, still decided to go? That's a good point. Um, you can pull up the app for any Disney park and look at the lines. Maybe I was hopeful that they died down at the end of the night, especially because I was thinking of not doing it because it was forecast to rain oh, wow. the entire evening. And my, my son says, "Oh, that." That, that'll clear the park out. I was like, oh yeah, maybe it will. So it didn't start raining until like the last hour that we were there, but it really started pouring. And that's why we got out of the park, but other people were not getting Man. out of the park. They were camping out. They were they were there to see that evening spectacular and they uh, were not leaving them even if it started uh, healing. I mean, it was like incredible. Man. We walk out of the park and the train was wide open. There's nobody leaving and people are like practically setting up camp there with uh, umbrellas and, and, and getting in place for the, for the show. It was amazing. Now you've completely talked me out of going. It was one of the things that we might do and we, we were on the fence because of the weather and the heat, and now you're telling me lines. I might as well just go to Florida in the summer. I mean, that's just... <laughs> it probably could. I mean, that's a, I, I don't know. In, in talking to locals there about uh, the weather in the summer in Tokyo, they were very much like, I don't stay around here. I get out of here. I go north. I go to the beaches. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like... Hey, Martha's Vineyard. <laughs> exactly. You know, so... They just get out of town. It's too hot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, that's the thing. I mean, you don't want to be... If you're vacation time, the only time is summer. I think you could have a great time, but I like your plan of not, you're not going to typical Tokyo and Kyoto the whole time. You're getting out to beachy parts of the places, which would be a crazy thing to do in February. That's true. But a perfect thing to do in the summer like you're doing. That's true. Unless in February, they're still beachy. I mean, look at Hawaii. Yeah. 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 Could Maybe. Be. The, the big, big, long country. Very, very, very long. Stretched yeah. Out. yeah. 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 Well, we could put a lot more in the show notes about everything we're talking about here, Robert. You got to really like very full amount of notes on the hotels, the transit to and from Disney Sea, all kinds of things on the ground and other tips too. But uh, take us home here. How'd you get back? Yep, same route. Uh, so great. Uh, uh, Narita right back to Boston. So we oh, I want to leave plenty of time. I, I, I'm never one to get to the airport early, but I don't want to miss this flight. And given that we had huge delays on the way there and our flight was at 645 at night, I couldn't get much of a late checkout from the Conrad either. They told us to get out of there at one o'clock. So, mm. um, yeah, I asked for two o'clock and they said, no, well, all, all we can do is one. Very, very, very busy. So um, we weren't opposed to getting there early. We did get there early. Uh, the Sakura Business Class Lounge there is very nice. Mm. Very nice. Uh, good food and drink. Not too crowded. They get the robot that does the beer? It was automated. Yeah. Like you stick it in there and it, it uh, you know, tilted it and uh, uh, yeah, yeah. And, and just... Just great service, great great food, great drinks. It just it wasn't like you know a first class 
type thing of just really good yeah, business class. Yeah. yeah. And a place that, you know, there's a reason why the, the lounges are more important on international flights. You want to be there. You tend to have time to kill on layovers and things like that. And everyone was coming in for uh, landing there, so to speak, uh, very nice and comfortably. So it was totally good and the flight back uh, just great i mean you know uh 12 hours maybe a little bit less because of uh tailwinds and whizzed home with global entry i mean it just felt great to be an american in, in that sense i mean we landed an hour early we were at our house probably 15 minutes after our scheduled landing time wow. and that's a stark contrast to being you know four hours after we landed on the on the other end so just fantastic with global entry coming back into boston logan and i don't even think they have customs here i don't know what what happened to that you used to ask you questions or at least take a paper form that's one way to avoid customs you just walk right through yeah. you talk to the guy at the immigration desk and you're good you're done it's weird <laughs> I will say that, you know, if you're going to have a four-hour stumble with immigration and customs and all kinds of other things, at least it didn't happen on the return because, you know, your family can remember, like, all of the good that happened after that and hopefully be really excited again about going back. So it sounds like that happened. Is there excitement still about going back? There is. It's crazy. And and again, I said to him on the way back in the in the Uber, you, using our Uber credits for the uh, ride home afterwards, <laughs> you know, Annex funds my lifestyle. Um, I said, you know, I, I don't know if I could do this again. You know, I'm like almost like a, a boxer who's been, you know, bloodied and battered on the floor. Like, I don't know if I could do this Japan trip again. And they all say, oh, I'm sure you could do it. Uh, you know, you, you'll, 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 think, you'll think of something. Yeah, like, you oh, I'm do. so tired. <laughs> But Robert, you know, they don't but, know about all the phone calls and the bookings and the rebookings and the, you know, the three don't. years worth of canceled and, you know, just you've been transferring currencies and you've been putting a lot of work into this. But, you know, it, that's why we do it. Right. So that our family can Absolutely. sit there and go like, that was awesome. And, yeah. yeah. No, it's um, we do the things we want to do. And I like noodling around this stuff. I like doing the show, I like talking to you about it. It was a great trip. Uh, one thing I do want to say, though. If I had an option to fly first class through JFK instead of going direct back to Boston, there's no way I would do no that. Way. The, yeah. the, the differentiation just isn't there. I mean, if I, and I you've I'll flown do that, JAL yeah. first class, right? That yeah. on the way out last time, yeah. right? Then we came back in, in business class, but especially on the way back, right? You just want to get home. Yes. There's no this little excitement. You know, I would do it if it was the only way that we could get there with maybe two in first and two in business. I would route that way. But I so much prefer just that direct flight. I mean, if you land, if if you land in, in, if you live in a city that isn't served by a direct flight, of course you have to take a connection. But uh, taking a connection for a better class of service, I just can't can't get behind that. I mean, just I can't can't understand how how great it is just to be at home quickly after a long trip when everybody's tired. So yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't take that take that option again. As nice as JL first is. Wow, and you know I just want to remind you, going way back on this show, Robert, your flight out of Boston was delayed when you flew through JFK, remember that? And so then- That was terrifying. Yeah, everyone remembered that. Right? Yeah, right. I mean, we felt like we were, the the, uh, the outbound was much more grueling in both, <laughs> on both adventures, being being afraid to miss that flight running through JFK with a one world uh, uh, chaperone or whatever. That was terrifying. Yeah, you know, and so everything plans out. You go, oh, I have plenty of time. I'll take some time at the lounge in JFK. And then things start eroding and the, you know, the plan, and you, you, you're, you were connecting, I believe, AA to JAL, so- you know, the protection is sort of there, but uh, then you lose a day. And I like- That would I be like, uh, a disaster from in Tokyo for two days, right? Yeah, that, that, like, yeah. Like, <laughs> no, and it's interesting to see these trips unfold, right? We do so much with planning and replanning and canceling and but. It's just interesting. I don't know if you've experienced this. It's kind of like, oh, yeah, this is it. This is the thing I've thought about for two years. And it just happens and <laughs> it's done and, and, and you're left with great memories. So, yeah, that's why we play the game. I love it, Robert. I, I think I think you could do it again. And you know what? You might have to, in a month, start looking to plan it for next year. Thing with the Well, actually, with the Asia Miles, 360 yeah, days. Yeah, there you I go. Could you look start a couple tomorrow. Days. 
Although, you know, the surcharges being what they are, maybe you catch and release. What do you think? We've talked about that. Absolutely. Yeah, we have. We can catch and release. I'm looking forward to hearing about your trip. And, and I know the, the planning is uh, uh, well in, uh, in flight, but I'm sure we'll be talking about that even more on the paid show. I agree. I agree. I'm going to need your help, too, especially on the, the real stuff. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're my expert. Expert. <laughs> Thanks for joining us this week. For a more in-depth discussion about points and miles, visit us at patreon.com slash milenomics. There you'll get a special link to listen to additional content right in your mobile podcast app or on your computer where we speak more freely about topics like these. And as always, you can reach us on Twitter. I'm at Milenomics, and Robert is at Robert Dwyer. We'd love to hear from you. Till then, we'll see you on the site. <laughs>